This is Dyson X, the podcast, episode 189 for the week of September 6th, 2009. Welcome to Dyson X, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Dyson X. <laughs> we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening. Why don't you finish it off? It gave you something else to say. And a little bit of entertaining. There we go. Hey, Julian, how you doing, man? I'm not too bad. I've had a busy couple of weeks in spite of the relative lack of classes, but everything seems to be going pretty smoothly. Excellent. I'm watching you now. For some reason, uh, my camera didn't want to work, so I have a one-way view of you and your sunglasses. Yes. Feeling dangerous, or maybe just dangerous. but anyway. <laughs> Haven't talked to you in a while. What's been going on? Well, let's see. Uh, my parents came in August. I think I mentioned some kind of top secret thing yeah that was the top secret mission yeah so i spent two weeks with them traveling around japan having a good time it was nice to see them excellent they'd like me to come back but i'm thinking maybe instead of the winter it might become next summer (laughs) only because the weather in winter in our part of the country is just completely unpredictable sometimes you're totally just delaying ever coming back at this point no 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 i do intend to come back what is your plan do you plan on staying there for quite an extended period of time i mean you have your work visa now and everything right right and i just got it extended so it's valid for another three years my current plan is to start another year from this coming april so at least another year and a half or so all right and um i don't know if my microphone just picked that up but uh that's the other thing that's going on right now is i my two-year contract with my cell phone provider came up and i decided to switch from au to softbank and along with that to get an iphone yeah what you need to do is move the phone far away from uh video recording and audio recording equipment or else you get that noise but it's plugged into the computer all right fine fine i'll i'll Get rid of it if I need to. Okay, I'll I'll wrap it up in something soft. <laughs> yeah, that'll fix it. Because cell phone signal totally doesn't go through other things. Well, no, I just mean it'll make it softer. So you're Julian, you're rocking, and uh, that leaves me. My name is Mike. It's going to be you and I for the non-topic portion of the show, even though we've already recorded the topic portion, which is already edited and everything. It's uh, going to be a fantastic one. We're making up for lost time. Last week, it was partially scheduling conflicts and partially let's just take a week off because we got shit to do and it's fun and I like having a weekend every once in a while. So now we're back. We're catching up on that topic, which is going to be a review, kind of full discussion of the Saiyajin arc in Dragon Ball Kai. I mentioned that's already recorded with myself, Mary, Heath from Konzentai, and our buddy Corey. So look forward to that. You and I are going to rock the rest of the stuff, though. We got some news, we got releases and emails and all sorts of wonderful things. So uh, if you can be bothered to put your iPhone down for a moment. I'm working on it. <laughs> Talk about some uh, general stuff here. Sent you over some lyrics. I finally got oh, in yes. the uh, Dragon Ball Kai soundtrack and the Power of Dreamer CD Very single. Nice. I had uh, an issue with the post office. Where we live now, we have one of those uh, giant mailboxes where it's kind of communal, where everyone in our area of the neighborhood you know, walks over to it and it's got the little boxes on it. Oh, so yeah. Monday, they left a slip saying, oh, you got a package from Japan. You can come pick it up or whatever. Problem being that the post office opens about an hour and a half after I'm already at work and are closed by the time I get home from work. Now, you could leave the slip saying, hey, uh, you can just leave the package for me, except... 
Our mailman doesn't go to our door. He only goes to the mailbox, and he would never see the slip and the mailbox. So I basically waited five days to go pick it up, which kind of sucked. But I did get the CDs in. I put a couple pictures of them up on our Facebook fan page. We're up to over, I think, 325 people over there. It's very interesting to me to see what kind of audience goes to the Facebook page, to the Twitter page. I think on Twitter we're at something like 150 people. But clearly Facebook is where everyone uh, really wants to hang out other than the forum and chat and stuff. But anyway, I sent you over those lyrics for Power of Dreamer, and I've got a challenge out to you to not let Herms take over your uh, reign as the lyric master for Dragon Ball songs. Alright, although I do admit it's kind of nice to have someone picking up the slack when I'm <laughs> too busy or can't be bothered. That's but fine. yeah, I'll, I'll um, get on it when I can. Have Hopefully you listened to the song at all yet? Yeah, actually, it's pretty nice. feels like classic Dragon Ball. It definitely does, and uh, we'll be reviewing all that stuff maybe in about two weeks. I haven't quite figured out what the schedule is going to be. We'll talk about the schedule for upcoming episodes uh, at the end of this episode. And uh, I guess that's it for general stuff. You got any other random things you want to toss in the mix? Oh, let's see. Nothing that I can think of offhand. It must be something, but I'll remember it after we're long done with this segment. Right. Oh, oh, I know what I can mention. Mary's not here. She's actually off to a friend's bridal shower today, so uh, she's Uh occupied while we're recording this portion of the show, but I wanted to get it done because tonight I'm actually recording a new VG Convos episode, believe it or not. We're doing a Dreamcast anniversary episode, and we're going to be live recording that and putting that out. So it's a recording-filled weekend. $9,999. That's right. been that long already? Yeah, it's been 10 years. Kind of crazy. All right, dude. Why don't we wrap this up, and let's talk about some news. All right. Uh, Julian, I'm going to give you the sad news. Start it off for me. Yes. Well, sadly, the voice actor for Son Goku has unfortunately passed away. But wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. It was the Arabic voice actor for Goku. So the Japanese one is still alive. So it's sad news, but... uh, I don't 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 particularly like how you're qualifying this. You almost make it out to be kind of a bait and switch here. It's not very respectful. Come on. Those of you you who are watching Dragon Ball Kai, don't panic just yet, but it is sad news. It is, it is. Mr. Zayad... Erafaye, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, the Arabic voice actor for Son Goku passed away on August 26th due to complications from a car crash. Mike, was was that how it was actually written, or did you type it up like that? Um, I, I wrote it that way. He was in the car crash, and then it looked like he was uh, getting better and stable for a little bit, but unfortunately didn't pull through in the end. Okay, that's just kind of weird. What, what, anyway, do you, what do you think that's supposed to be? Complications from a car crash. What about it? Well, wouldn't he just die from the car crash? It, never mind. Do, right. we, do we just want to start this over again? No, no, I think it's fine. Continue. <laughs> okay, he also played Hiro from Gundam Wing, Rai from Thunderjet, and Shinichi Kudo, also known as Jimmy in the English version, uh, of Detective Conan. So thanks to Shinobi03 for the news. and yeah, sad news. Yes, may he rest in peace. Absolutely. All right, let's move it on to some other stuff. You uh, just watch this. There's a new trailer. I say new. A lot of the material is the same from the previous trailer. Uh, for Dragon Ball Online, the new MMO coming out, uh, first in Korea and then eventually some other places in the world. Now, before we get to the most significant thing from it, uh, before we start recording, you and I were talking about, uh, I think we have a problem with some of the depictions of violence in this trailer. Yes. Those poor, poor dinosaurs. I mean, I have a problem with this. I mean, I think we've established in the Dragon Ball canon that dinosaurs, as 
natural creatures go tend to be pretty low on the power scale. And that you've got all of these guys hovering in the air about to completely pound them senseless. And I, I just kind of feel sorry, and I think somewhere there's a wildlife activist who's <laughs> going to be up in arms about this trailer, you know? This is not okay. I think it kind of takes over for, you know, your level one fighting the rats and stuff. Maybe you get up to level five, you start being able to take on the one-headed dinosaurs, and then maybe the level tens for taking on the three-headed dinosaurs. Not cool. I'm not okay with this. Yeah. Jeez. Alright, other than that, I mean, there's the opening stuff at the beginning we've seen before the book that one of the characters is looking through we've pulled out some dates and some stuff there looks like trunks is still the guardian of time in some capacity traveling and bringing you back for specific things let's ignore all that we've talked about it before the very very ending shot which doesn't really see time to the music just kind of fades in and out over the span of about a second not even what do you see here who do you think this is? It looks like the twisted offspring of Pilaf and Kaioshi. <laughs> That's a great description. <laughs> He's got blue skin and sort of shaggy. We don't really know the color. Maybe it's light greenish or white or uh, blue to it. He does very much look like uh, an evil Kaioshi, and they have you know the shadows and making them out to be evil. And a lot of people brought this up. Uh, could this have something to do with the Ma Kaioshi that Toriyama randomly blurted out in the super exciting guides could be <laughs> then again it could be just a malfunctioning light in the studio or maybe he's protecting his identity from the people he's ratting out or you know I, i've got nothing here <laughs> we have no idea who this is but uh, it'll be interesting to see is it going to be a specifically named character is it going to be a series of characters maybe another type of race in there we don't know but i'm looking forward to expanding the dragon world a little bit with someone like that that's all i got unless you have anything else you want to add to it that's pretty much it with those poor poor dinosaurs that's right Jeez. those dinosaurs all right moving on uh link to an interview over on the website School Library Journal with uh, Viz Kids editor Tracy Todd, all about this Viz Kids line and uh, talking about where they're coming from with this new chapter book format for Dragon Ball and Naruto as well, it seems, and bringing it to new audiences. Did you get a chance to read through this at all? Uh, I've read through a little bit of the the interview. What I want to know is if they try to write around the objectionable parts at the beginning of Dragon Ball. It's a very short arc. Yeah, it sure there's is. a lot of there's a lot of toilet humor in that first that first story arc. I mean, first some two of volumes. it's related to the plot itself, like them getting the Dragon Ball from Kame Senin. What, what do you do that? How do you write that? I have no idea, and I'm the one writing it. It just seems like maybe Dragon Ball, specifically the earlier parts of the series, aren't the best stories to take and adapt to this whatever weird format for kids and the big font and stuff. I don't get it. How do you feel, though? I mean, you and I lived through, and you much more significantly so, uh, were heavily involved with this. You know, the censoring of the manga and trying to get an uncensored version. And this isn't, yeah. obviously, is not replacing the normal manga of Dragon Ball. But... Some of it just concerns me. I mean, they're talking so much, reminds me so much of the early viz and the early, or not so much the early viz, kind of the mid-viz and the early Funimation of, well, we have to do this for our audience and blah, blah. Well, if it's not appropriate for the audience, don't release it for that audience. That's how I feel. Well, I, I wonder, too, if they're not leaving themselves open for trouble later on because this these versions are designed to be for kids. But the manga, while aimed at, you know, early teenage boys in Japan, is still not 
quite at that level as parents would see fit in the U.S. So, you know, you might see the situation where the parent buys this manga thinking it has the same content as the book and only right. it doesn't. Right. I don't know. You know what I would find really hilarious is if they did, like, the actual story of Dragon Ball as is, but in a children's book format. So, you know, using easy words and simple sentences. And so the Turtle Master asked Bulma to raise up her shirt. So, <laughs> And she did. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? That actually would be. Uh, I now give you the task of writing the story like this. Yes. Oh, and somebody has to read it in, in the voice of a parent who is becoming increasingly alarmed as he goes along. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got okay. another new CD coming out in Japan, although this may be the, I don't know, successor to a canceled CD. New listing for a Dragon Ball Kai song collection. CD is coming out in October. Uh, we recently got a full track listing for it, too. It's set to include the opening and the ending, uh, insert songs, although the only insert song we know of right now is Over the Star, and more. But the interesting thing is the character-specific themes listed on here, like Kurede no Tema and Vegeta and Frieza and even Dende. What are you thinking about this? Yeah, um, I don't know. It seems like it's not necessarily a bad thing i mean light motifs uh, is that what it's going to be though or are we going to get something like the old uh which uh which hit was it was it eight or earlier with the in character image songs i'm ready for frieza to sing to me <laughs> well i don't know my, my my gut instinct says it's probably just you know non vocal yeah. music but that's something we'll, we'll see what happens right but yeah frieza singing would be pretty awesome i'm down for that like I mentioned, uh, there was that Kodochan pack that was announced for Kai and was uh, canceled kind of out of nowhere. So maybe this is a resurrection of what that may have been. But uh, we'll get to that, I guess, in October uh, as it comes up more closely to its release. Last thing, Attack of the Saiyans. Uh, this is going to be the DS release of Saiyajin Raishu as it came out in Japan. The European and American box art seems to be exactly the same as the Japanese original, just with the uh, title change, of course course not much to say about it what do you think yep well that that is that what it just is about sums it up i think <laughs> all right i mean vegeta's there large and back so i think the title fits although attack of the science makes it sound sort of like attack of the clones or attack of the <laughs> evil body snatchers or well they are aliens i guess so right anyway where I'm, was i <laughs> i'm looking forward to playing it it's been out in japan for a while uh, for an RPG like this, I'd rather just wait for the English translation rather than uh, struggle my way through. Now, the recent gameplay videos that I've seen online, uh, IGN, Game Trailers, a couple other places, have been the English version of the game, but with the Japanese voices. So I don't know if that's going to be the European release. If the European release has the Japanese voices, I'd rather import that than the American one if that's going to get the English uh, Funimation cast. But we don't really have any confirmation on any of that yet. So that's the news. Right now, we're going to take it over to the topic so julian you'll be stepping away for a little bit mary's going to join us yes. heath's going to join us Corey's going to join us we'll talk about that for about 70 minutes and then uh we will return to you and i lady and gentlemen i have gathered you all here today to talk about the thing that is kind of airing on tv over in japan and we talk about it from time to time but now we've hit a point in the series where eh, the first arc of the show is over and the home releases are starting to come out, so it makes sense to give it a proper review, look back, where are we, where are we going from here. So I'm going to uh, introduce Mary as still being here. That's right. Hi. Presumably. Talking about here. Kai. Yeah, indeed. All right. Joining us 
from Konzentai, we have Heath. Yo. What is up? Uh, the podcast is going up in relatively Woo-hoo. short fashion time this weekend. Yeah, what, what happened last week? I uh, never found out. You know, <laughs> schedules and vacation, it was wonderful. I loved it. It was nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also joining us, has no website, but is friend of the site and the podcast, our buddy Corey. What's up, dude? Hola. Como esta usted? Uh, fantastic. I, <laughs> I understand all of that. That's like seventh grade uh, Spanish there. I can do it. That's about, yeah. that's about as much as I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gathered you all, this Motley crew here, to talk about Kai. Heath, you were following it rather in depth for a while with your episode reviews and comparisons over on the site. Yes, we And were. I know, Corey, you've... Uh, you were keeping up, and then I think you and I hit a point around the same time where we weren't necessarily keeping up anymore. I was downloading it, but I was pretty much going, uh, you know, maybe someday, but I <laughs> never really did. It's about where I am for a little over a month now. Me too. Well, of course This you is going to be a very bizarre recap episode. It will, it will. <laughs> so I think what's important to do from the get-go, as I always like to do, is just a little brief explanation of what the hell it is we're talking about. If you don't know by now, Dragon Ball Kai is what they are calling a refreshed version of the series. It is being broadcast in Japan in a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. The footage itself is basically upscaled, though there are some new drawings here or there that appear to be done in an HD resolution. Though, and we'll talk about this, the upcoming Blu-ray release will be a high definition 4 by 3 aspect ratio. And then the DVDs are 16 by 9 It's a whole thing. But in addition to it being a new version of the series. Uh, It's cutting out a whole bunch of filler. They're calling it a little speedier version, a little more closely to the manga. It's got a new opening and ending. It's also got a completely new musical score by Kenji Yamamoto, who we will know from the Dragon Ball video games for basically as long as the series has been around. It's also completely revoiced by the original cast with a few changes here and there due to deaths and a couple other circumstances. Is that a fairly accurate description of Kai? Am I missing out any major points? No. No, I I think that was pretty good. All right, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page here. The first place I want to start is really the material that's been cut out of Kai. This is something they were really hyping before it even got going. The first marketing materials they were talking about being closer to the manga, they're going to speed through things, and that was just a huge to-do about it. So I'd like to cover some of the things that were removed from Kai. Now, it, it doesn't matter that they're filler or not. I think they're important to talk about regardless. Some of the ones that immediately come to mind to me are uh, Gohan and the robot, Goku going down to hell, we've got the princess snake stuff, and then the big one is Nappa's little three-hour fun time. We really don't see a whole lot of that. Uh, Heath, let me start with you. Are there any other th- big filler episodes or scenes? What else was cut out from here? Um, Let's see. The orphans. Oh, that's Not a big one, yeah. Not to be confused with the, the orphans in space, but the orphans, <laughs> orphans that- in space! In space. <laughs> but the, the orphans that Gohan goes and hangs out with and right right and uh arlia oh very that was a huge one yeah yeah uh nap and vegeta have a little fun and then we get the uh saiyajin history from kayo oh right and then most of the these aren't really one big block it's more tiny blocks throughout the entire arc Mm -hmm. kami house mostly when you're and i baba shows up right that has almost completely been cut out. Speaking of being cut out, correct me if I'm wrong, but has a certain character been cut out 
again, ironically enough, now in the Japanese version. To whom which you speak? Uh, the drunk. Lunch? Yes. <laughs> okay. She she's still around. Is she? Did I miss something? Is uh no yeah she was cut out where she's drinking at the bar. Okay. But yeah that was also cut out. Nice and I know there was some earlier stuff as well with uh, her and Tenshin Han and Chaozu and there's a waterfall involved. I think Chaozu's cooking. She's following them right. around. Very interesting. That's all removed. Corey, how about you? Are there any other little things you remember here and there that are just almost inexplicably gone? Uh, no, I think most of the stuff has already been covered. I mean, I know there were little things that seemed to be kind of cut out. I think right, in the yeah. middle of scenes where it seemed like the transition wasn't as smooth, but I right, can't think right. of any major segments that were kind of taken out that haven't been covered. Gotcha. Well, let's stick with that for a little bit because they are removing entire episodes and big parts of episodes, little scenes that does adjust the pacing of the episodes and really the transitions. There have been many points where they'll cut out, maybe it's a couple frames here and there, but that is enough to create kind of some awkward movements on the screen where there was originally something else there. Something just feels off. That's how it felt to me. They've cut out a lot of the uh, staring scenes, the uh, panning across the wilderness with the wind blowing. So a lot of those transition scenes have been cut out and it has made some things kind of almost jarring where you're literally jumping from one thing to another and sometimes i kind of wish they would have left some of those in maybe cut them down it's true that they do give you i don't know you just need that stuff every once in a while and when they remove so much of it i don't know how it would be to a new viewer that's the thing we are all so intimately familiar with the original run of dragon ball z that there have been plenty of times where i've said yeah maybe five or six frames are removed and sure enough like it's just those little things here and there that we're noticing are gone and yet the crab was still there and yet the crab was (laughs) still there Uh, you know i don't know what's going on with that kind of stuff well how about these bigger moments Uh, let's go with arlia and maybe even gohan and the robot those are kind of two of my favorite episodes gohan and the robots just some of that character development on gohan's uh behalf but then arlia is nappa and vegeta get a chance to shine before they even show up on earth heath let me ask you is the removal of let's just say these two episodes does it affect the pacing the character development to you how does it feel with them gone i liked the gohan and robots episode it's it's a good one thing we did leave out. Maybe it's in that episode too. Gohan, where he meets the dinosaur, saves the dinosaur, right, right, tries to protect it, all that stuff. Those episodes really give you a good insight of how he's developing from a little crybaby to a, a warrior, right, basically. And all of a sudden, really, he's just kind of thrown in with Piccolo. We assume he's grown over this period because. In the manga, isn't there a little narrator's note that so much time has passed? And right. Everyone's been training. I was going to say, you know, those scenes aren't there in the manga. So if this is closer to the manga, is that better? But we're so used to it. See, and that's, that's kind of the catch-22 that goes along with it. It Yes, it's closer to the manga, but you have to kind of figure out for yourself, is that good for you? Because it's going to be different for different people. At the same time, it's nice to see these character developments that we don't really get to see in the manga at all because most scenes like this do get cut out where they're never actually shown as just a so much time has passed 
and here's the next panel. And you just kind of have to assume. So it's kind of nice when they add those things, and it's somewhat of a shame to see them go, I would say. Mary, let me ask you, was character development a big thing that you felt was lacking as we were watching Kai? Um, Mainly during the fights, not so much the training stuff. I was kind of happy to see a lot okay. of the training stuff, both with Gohan and then the guys up at uh, Kami's place. I didn't mind seeing a lot of that stuff go, because I didn't think, maybe with the exception of Gohan, there wasn't a lot of character development. But True. more just little things cut from the fights, I think really would have helped as far as like pacing and character development go. Corey, how about you? Did this affect you too much? And you're also coming from a primarily, well, I say primarily, I actually don't know what your familiarity with the manga is. Are you more of a TV version, the manga version kind of guy? Yeah, I mean, it was more the anime for me because that's how I sort of came into the series. I didn't actually really pick up on the manga aside from reading some select stuff until probably 2002 or so. Okay. So, I mean, I'd actually been watching the anime itself for probably about six years at that point. Right. Okay. You're in the same boat as me. So was missing this stuff kind of jarring to you as well? Uh, it kind of was just because, I mean, yeah, some of it you can appreciate is, you know, toning down stuff that just kind of felt like it was keeping the show from going too slowly. But it's, at the same time, you know, looking back, you know, I saw Z first. So, I mean, those scenes kind of helped me to uh, get more, I guess, adjusted to who was who at the time. Oh, totally. So, I mean, coming from knowing Dragon Ball now and watching this, it doesn't have as much of an effect maybe as someone that would be watching Kai maybe for the first time. Right. Because, I mean, it's more time, you know, Gohan and the robot, you get to learn the character some more, you get to actually see how he reacts to certain things. The training scenes, hell, you get to see just how goofy Goku is and how he actually gets his way out of it. Same with the whole princess snake thing and so forth. Let's move away from the pacing of a little bit. I know we're going to revisit it. I want to talk about censoring. Early on, this was a big thing, and then it kind of toned off. But I think it's coming back around again, maybe in the Frieza arc. So we can't get into it in too much detail there. But I think the biggest example at first was the Makanko Sapo that killed both Goku and Raditz. And what's up with the whole Heath, you know, you did a pretty good analysis of this. What happened? Okay, so this was in... Episode 3, I believe, yes. It's an interesting point, I think, to make that there's a weird comparison that you can do with the manga, where in the manga there is not as much blood as there was in Dragon Ball Z. Right. So we already kind of know that Toei added that. Well, hold on. I, I want to give you a different example, because we get to the Cell arc, specifically Super Saiyan 2 Gohan. The most graphic thing from the manga I can picture are the Cell Junior brains. Right. And that's in the manga. So you're saying, at least at this point in the series, the TV version is more violent. Yes. Okay. At, at this point, just for this comparison alone, okay. they've added more blood than what was actually there. But then at the same time, in Kai, they took away even more than what the manga showed. Uh. So it's that's why it's really it, it's weird because it doesn't even really fit with the manga. So it it really is kind of a true censoring because it just looks like you know someone took a lighter and burned a hole on his chest and <laughs> right. You know, I remember everybody freaking out when they first saw this, and I think it was rightfully so. Right, for right. Most people because it I really don't know why they did it to begin with, but I don't know if someone got lazy or they actually were just censoring it to censor it. There was also, I believe, some blood that was uh, that Raditz coughed up right. while he was talking to Piccolo, and that kind of got cut out a little bit, but I think that's something you could kind of look past. 
but it's more so the hole through the chest. I mean, you can't even see that it's a hole. I, I know. It looked like someone just singed his chest hair or something. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a burn mark. Like, you just expect him to get up off the ground after this. He's <laughs> fine. This is and a bruise. This was a big deal because it was so early on in Kai. It's disturbing. I think everyone got worried about what was going to go from here. It's like, oh, is this a new and improved show exactly. now with more censoring? Now, I think it's a fair point to make that Dragon Ball is not airing, at least Kai, in the same time slot that Z was. Heath, uh, it was airing, what, Wednesday nights at 7, 730? 7.30, I believe. Okay, so now we have... No, 7. Yeah, 7 to 7.30. I knew it was around that time. And now we have Kai airing, is it Saturday or Sunday morning? Sunday. Sunday. So it's basically the equivalent of a Saturday morning cartoon for us. Definitely. I mean, it's airing with One Piece as well, though. And One Piece has had its fair share of violence and blood, but I know things are toned down here and there as well. I know that one has a lot of strange examples where it'll be more violent than the manga, and then they'll tone it back than what the manga was. So it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of consistency in that time slot. So maybe that answers a little bit about Kai. I don't know. Yeah, and we don't know. Is it someone in the higher-ups at Toei that's saying this? Is it just per episode, whoever the director is, just kind of makes the call. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, because we're coming up on the point where uh, Dodoria sticks his arm through a Namekian. <laughs> right, so, right. we have a couple things like that that are coming up, and it'll be interesting to see how they cover those. Absolutely. You think with the decapitation, we'll have the head, or rather the body, drawn back over to the head? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> Alright, let's keep going with the censoring in uh, this part of the series. Let's talk about some little boy penis for a minute here. Corey, I'm going to go over to you. I'm sure you remember quite well the uh, the bush covering for movie three oh, over here God. in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, I remember all the uh, different bushes and random pieces of clothing and so forth. <laughs> it covered everything. We had almost the exact same thing happen. It was the episode where Gohan goes Ozaru uh, while he's out training with Piccolo. And I think it was our buddy Wasted Wisher on the forum uh, who works in the Philippines branch who said he was personally responsible for this one. And I think what happened here was the tail covered it and then as he turned back normal it like flung around again? Yeah. Something weird. Basically as he was shrinking down the tail kind of like swung around his body. It's kind of skillful though. If they're going to do it it yeah, made a lot it more effort it wasn't a magical floating bush so i give them <laughs> credit for this Corey, let me ask you i'm gonna put you on the spot do you need the little boy penis in the show i don't need it it's just it it definitely uh, harkens back to the savannah or it's just like wow it it feels like back when i first saw the show Full on circle. saturday mornings at 6 30 a.m it <laughs> reminded us so much so many of the things you know the specific things that we're moving in terms of uh plot points you know the first episode cutting out a lot of Gohan's adventure in the woods, cutting more right to Raditz. Four episodes, or rather, five episodes turned into four episodes for uh, the Saban edit with Funimation. And now, those four episodes kind of turned into three episodes. With yeah, the it's like edit. editing on crack. It's very strange. It feels <laughs> like the original Funimation edit of the show from I know, time to it's time. kind of deja vu, and I don't know if I like it. Mary, I want to ask you about some certain visual effects that are sometimes censoring. Uh, a little bit of strobing Unless that kind of mixed, like subtle strobing turned down mixed in with like motion blur and like frame blending. Now, tell me about this because I know you immediately notice and yell at it every time it happens <laughs> when we watch I it. I do the same thing. <laughs> like, no, stop the frame blending. So, explain to me what exactly is happening. It looks like it's a combination of trying to cover up some of the lighting effects 
and also trying to compensate for the lack of frames in the animation. Gotcha. So, so they're, by frame they're blending, they're trying to make it look like there's actually a lot more cells being animated, but uh-huh. that's not the case. It's just a filter. Now, how do you feel about I, it? It's very artificial. Horrible. It looks horrible almost always. It's just very artificial looking, and I don't think it has any place in any anime ever. I mean, even if it's a show this old, I think it makes it stand out more. Right. It's pretty bad. Well, it just looks super lazy. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, hey, we didn't really want to put the effort in. No one will really know if we just blend everything together. I mean, it's, it's taken detail in a lot of things. Which is something we've railed on Funimation about, is yeah. if you're going to do this stuff to the footage, don't destroy it in the process. Yeah, because there was a, was it, a Piccolo takes on Nappa's blast head-on to save Gohan. Right. And I put it up on the website because I noticed it right away. But there is supposed to be a flashing kind of effect, not like a strobe. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of blinking, basically. And it, the whole thing is blended together such that you don't see Gohan's hair flap at all. You don't see any of the blasts go by because they've all been blended together in one image. And it is just absolutely horrible. There was another thing that you noticed. It was uh, corrected in the final episode, but I think it was in the next episode oh, preview. Tell me about Tension Han. Uh, Tension Han, <laughs> the Kiko Ho. In the next episode preview, someone forgot to turn one of the layers back on. <laughs> so. In the next episode preview, he fires the Kiko Ho, and instead of a key blast, all we see is blinking checkered box. <laughs> and Oh my uh, god, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. I have to yeah. go look at that. So if you know Photoshop, it's similar in all the Adobe programs, for example, but if you create a new layer on top of an image and it's blank, it's kind of represented by this somewhat subdued, faded checker box just to show there's a layer there but there's nothing there right and that it's was there just, it was there clear as day i mean you, you couldn't miss it wow i love that that made that to the final broadcast of that episode that shows i think to me it's just a rush job exactly how rushed they are to do this stuff which yeah. makes me wonder about the next topic and that's the redrawn scenes if they're so rushed to do these things why are they bothering to redraw in hd because there's a night and day difference between it in the original footage some of these scenes and then i've seen a lot of conversation lately and i'm totally with them why do they do the scenes that they do yes i totally get that it's, it's messed been up. very very random really when they first started pimping the show before it even aired they noted that they would be updating most of the key blasts and right. whatnot and if you go back and watch a lot of the side arc there are so many key blasts and ganky dama and all those were not reanimated at all. And then all of a sudden, other key blasts that uh, you would think looked fine, then they redrew those. And so they've really been all over the place. There's been no real consistency with anything. No, you can never make a guess as to, all right, this episode's coming up. I remember this scene. I remember there was a couple times I was going, oh, man, they're breaking into a really bad animation day. Are they going to correct some of the character models to make it look a little more? Nope. Giant well, and nets and everything. they should have done. That's the thing that even if you do notice they've reanimated certain scenes or frames, they've literally traced them. So even if the original animation looked bad, the reanimation <laughs> looks, the same. looks yeah. just as bad. It's just now more pixels to it. There was one scene in particular, I'm shocked, uh, a lot of people thought it was reanimated. There are a couple, but a really big one was when Goku first uses the Kaioken and he kind of shimmers and 
his outline kind of fills in all goldish and silverish, and then he turns back to normal. And they kept that in. Are you talking about when he goes after Nampa? Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, not the first time. When he first uses it against Vegeta, rather. Oh, okay. When he's up on the cliff. That was reanimated. Oh, was it actually reanimated? Because it looks yes. the same to me, but maybe just an updated version of that? Okay, you're right. That definitely is different. But it seems like the same kind of style as what was originally there. Right. I'm shocked that they kept the same kind of effect, because I always thought that looked so completely out of place for DBZ in, well, this would have been 90 by this point, maybe? Yeah. Well, and the weird thing is, is if you think about it, we see him use the Kaioken all the time. Right, right. This is the only time that it ever <laughs> looks like this. There's never any other time that we see him power up to use it where he goes all Technicolor. It's a great way to describe it. <laughs> Corey, let me go over to you, and let me ask you about some of these redrawn things. I know you have a really good eye for HD footage and comparisons and stuff. How are you feeling about the redrawn scenes? Oh, God, they always looked horrible to me. Every time I saw one of them, it seemed to just jump out at me as being something that completely didn't belong. Because I remember one of the things that struck me first was uh, the episode where Piccolo and Goku are fighting Raditz. And the original episode, it was kind of like a back and forth. One, they were running towards him. One was cutting in front of the other, and they kept sort of like fanning back and forth. But then for the Kai episode, they actually redrew them running side by side, and it just... It oh, looks like yeah, really bad. Yeah. It reminds me of you remember when they had the trend and it might even still be out there. Before everybody was doing like music videos with Lincoln Park, it was like people doing <laughs> people doing like uh, flash videos that they would do like on Newgrounds or something like that, like really bad DBZ inspired flash videos. Right. It reminds me of that. It's like a real lack of detail, just real clean looking and it just like you guys brought up, it's not even like they're redrawing the footage so it looks better it's just tracing the footage so it looks just as bad just with less detail oh it's painful because i mean it's it's not even it seems like a lot of the uh, depth in the image is gone too like it's not you don't have like shadows and highlights and stuff like yes, that it's just exactly color well that, that's a good segue into the original footage, which is now upscaled into an HD resolution, this might be a little more positive than we're talking about with the redone footage, but how do you think just the regular footage of the show looks and holds up? Uh, I mean, it's keep in mind, I've been watching the show on an HD television, you know, through the Dragon Boxes, scaling it up. Right. So, I mean, what they've done, I mean, it's hard to tell because, of course, I'm dependent on whoever's encoding it. Um, it, It looks kind of it looks kind of blurry in all honesty compared to the stuff that I upscale through my own equipment. So, I mean, it's not, it's not bad necessarily, but I'll probably wait until I actually see their commercial release to give a full opinion on it. I think that's a good point. I mean, even if we are watching 720 rips, they are lossy encodes and we know we're getting a high def, four by three aspect ratio anyway on Blu-ray. So it'll be very interesting to compare what that upscale looks like versus uh, a 480p upscale from the Dragon Boxes with some of our own equipment. My only thing has really been, and I think it, it stands out quite a bit, especially in certain scenes where they've zoomed in on that frame yeah. and you can see the black lines are not solid. Yep. You can see a lot of, I don't know, if you call it dirt to just where the pen never quite made it to the page. Right. Yeah. And that stuff was in the original, but they're doing more. But now of it, that it it's seems. blown up, yeah. it, it really, really stands out, <laughs> especially when it comes in a scene that's right before 
a reanimated scene. Oh, absolutely. The, the contrast, like I've been saying, is just completely night and day. And the first hint you get is when you go from the opening back over to the regular footage. But then when they mix it up, I think there was one scene where Kami Senin, I don't know if he was sneezing or blood out of his nose, but it was a close-up of him. And it looked like this strange HD flash animation in the middle of my DBZ episode. It <laughs> totally threw me off. Let's turn it over to some other things. Again, this may be more positive than we're kind of talking about in general about Kai. Mary, uh, let me ask you about some corrections they've done in the show. The big one that everyone noticed and kind of got up and cheered at immediately. Ah, uh, yes. Talk about hair and clothes hair for a certain man. Yes. We all love and adore. So what happened? So he's the right colors now, Vegeta. Vegeta is <laughs> the right colors. He's no longer redheaded with a green and brown outfit. Right, he's right. properly black hair with the blue and the yellow, and he looks divine. Was it good? Was it off-putting? Was it frightening? How no, it feel? was. That's more of the stuff I would have liked to have seen in this show. I mean, not that there's a lot of instances of that because it was really not, but just yeah. going up and acknowledging, yeah, this was wrong and sucked. Let's fix it. I don't know what else they could have done that to other than awkward animation days. It makes you think, man, what if they had actually shown the Arlia episode? I mean, well, that may be another <laughs> oh, reason man. why they cut it out. Can you imagine how much they'd have to reanimate? Because really, Vegeta sits there and talks and then stands up and walks over to the pod a little bit. That's about it. And then when they're in the pods on the way to the planet, at least it's shadowed out and kind of this blue scale over them so you don't really need to do anything. But let me tell you about another correction. This one's not animation. This is one where I personally got up and cheered. This is a scene where Gohan is fighting Vegeta toward the end of the fight. Now, in the manga, he doesn't say anything. He just fires the blast. In the original oh. Japanese version of DBC, as it aired in Japan on Japanese TV, totally ignoring any Funimation dub stuff, Gohan fires an attack that we've now seen once before. He first used it against Nappa. It was called the Masenko. When he fires this exact same attack, same hand motions and everything on Vegeta, he yells out, Kamehameha. Now, as far as we know, Gohan does not know the Kamehameha. These are not the hand motions for the Kamehameha. And this was unfortunately carried over to the original Funimation dub of the series, leading many, many people to be confused back in 96. I was very, very excited to see that they corrected this, and Gohan yells Masenko in Dragon Ball Kai in that scene. Again, with the Vegeta recoloring, this is the attention to detail that I was hoping for. Are there that many examples of this? I don't know, but I noticed them when they fixed them, and that really stood out to me. There was one other scene. Um, the logo on Goku's dogi oh, okay. that got corrected when they were facing off against Raditz. Oh, was it? What was it? What was it supposed to be? Um, They just hadn't colored in it. It wasn't white. Oh. It was just the black on the orange. Oh, gotcha. And in Kai, they went back and reanimated that scene so that it had a white background. Gotcha. Those are really the only ones that I can think of. And they're big. I mean, we noticed them. Yeah. And we're happy about them. And I will note there, um, there have been some filler scenes left in, yeah, which yeah. has been kind of nice. But most importantly, I don't know if you want to call it important, but there have been some scenes that have been rearranged. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the early Funimation dub. Yes. And in a way, some of it has actually worked quite well. They're nice setups where they decided, let's keep this filler scene in, but we're going to move it over here 
where it kind of makes more sense since we've cut all this other stuff out. Is there an example of something like that? There's one episode that starts off with Chi-Chi. She's thinking about Gohan and how he's doing, and he's off with Piccolo, and it fades over to that, where originally in Z, those two scenes were flipped. Oh, okay, that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people, you were mentioning Pace, and I know we'll talk about it a little later on, but the editing, I don't know if some people have noticed, at least in my mind, it almost, it got better as the series has progressed. Oh, it sure did. I was so down on it with the first episode. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I did make a note of it. Fukumitsu Shinichi did all of the editing for anything that was ever animated, Dragon Ball-wise. Okay. Up until the 10th episode of Kai. That was the last episode. After that, they actually got rid of him. I don't know if he left, what happened. But they've brought on two new guys, and they are now editing the show. Maybe that alone makes that big of a difference. Right. So I just thought it was worth noting, because that had never happened before. Wow. Yeah, we're so used to the same people doing the same stuff over and over. And when we see new names, oh, we're going to get to new names. In fact, let's take it over to a new name right now. Is it a new name, though? Kenji Yamamoto. We've had him for so long doing video game soundtracks. Things like the Super Butoden series on Super Famicom, all the way up through the latest stuff on PS2 and moving forward. He's always involved in some capacity, even if he's not doing the entire soundtrack track. He's uh, contributing some compositions and some arrangements here and there. A completely new score for the show. Shinsuke Kikuchi's score is gone. Corey, let me ask you, again, as someone so familiar with the TV version, how are you feeling about it after so many episodes? You know, it's it's still jarring to me. I mean, maybe it's the fact that I've watched the series and rewatched it so many times in the past, you know, 13, 14 years, but you know, you see a scene come up, you're so used to it, you've got it all in your head. The dialogue's basically exactly the same, but then the music, right. it's it's funny, you know, you mentioned his role in the video games. I hear the music and I'm like, shit, where's my controller? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's like a reflex. You hear it and you're like, exactly, well, yeah. Shit, I shouldn't well, be watching, I, I, should, I should be playing. Because that's one thing I was going to note. There are some points where you're watching it and all of a sudden you're like, Am I watching a video game? <laughs> that's that's just the feeling that comes off almost. In fact, people have pulled out a couple musical cues here and there from the Budokai game soundtracks. I mean, they are the exact same songs. It, it just feels so much like that. I'm with you with those little musical cues here and there where you expect them to start and they don't. It's jarring. I will admit, though... There are a couple tunes here and there that I'm really, really big on. I know a lot of people, uh, the Kai soundtrack, at least volume one of it just came out. People have been really digging the orchestral version of Dragon Soul, which is played a few times in the series. It's almost a cut and paste replacement for the Head Chala jingle that would have been used in the original. I think it's used in the same kind of ways appropriately, and I dig it when it's used, and I think it works in that respect. I think it's one of the few songs that actually sounds Dragon Ball S. Oh, totally, totally. If, if you could say that. And then we have examples like I talked about uh, maybe a couple months ago, scene where Gohan and Piccolo are fighting, sparring, training, and the guitar rock music comes in. Now, to be fair, the Budokai games, we had Steve Lukather wailing away on the guitar, and it worked really well there. But all of a sudden, I see it in the TV version, and I don't feel so hot about it. I, I agree. I mean, I think it's, I think literally it's just one of those things, especially since, you know, 
know one of the big things that caused people to go into conflict with the uh, dub version was music punching up the music yeah. trying to you know i guess americanize it or what they perceived as you know their target demographic in america and it seems almost like that's it seems like that pop-up or cues like that pop-up and it's almost like well wait isn't this one of the reasons we kind of ran away from the english version in the first place? absolutely to have it in it's strange to say oh in our precious japanese version and now we're kind of divided here and there on it which is funny because you have the dvds coming out i guess they finished up the season sets now they're going to do their version of the dragon box right english voices over the japanese uh original soundtrack now we have something that's almost like a facsimile in some respects of the english soundtrack with the japanese voices. <laughs> it's so true it's like we flip <laughs> what world are we living in <laughs> turnabout well there were uh even some points where in the original series it's silent and you notice that a lot in kai there's almost always something playing Mm -hmm. through the entire thing. And at some points it fits really well. And at other points I don't like it. And even when I like the music, I'm still having the problem of similar to Funimation's treatment of the series. I, I need some time. Let me breathe here and maybe it's appropriate, but I'm getting sick of hearing the same jingles over and over. Yeah. You know, I noticed that's one thing. I mean, yeah, I know that Dragon Ball, Especially with Z, I guess. I maybe didn't notice as much in Dragon Ball, the original. You did hear a lot of repetition of a lot of music. You know, it would be introduced like, I think, uh, the one song that was introduced in what, movie number three that went on to be used over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in this, in this case, you know, we're only, this arc was what, 14 episodes? 16. 16 episodes. Okay. 16 episodes in, but still we're hearing stuff seemingly kind of repeat over and over again, like the uh, the death theme that they used. I know a lot of yeah. people kind of went, oh, okay, that really works well for the scene, but then it seemed like it kept popping up over and over. And unrelated and over. to death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there was, there's, um, when Vegeta's climbing into the pod, they played that song. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know why, but uh, somebody did point out that a lot of, you know, Corey kind of mentioned that the score in Dragon Ball Z really didn't change until you got to Majin Buu, where we really got almost an entirely new soundtrack. That's a good point to make. You know, through Dragon Ball, it's all Shunsuke Kikuchi, but as you get to a new arc, more pieces are introduced, but they're still using pieces from maybe one or two arcs back. So in the Saiyajin arc, you're still using some pieces from even the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai Pukuro Daimao arc. Some of that stuff is still being carried forward. Uh, I know a piece of music that a lot of fans love when Piccolo dies. It's a song from Dragon Ball Movie 2. That kind of uh, dipping back and using the catalog. So while we hit the Cell arc and we have you know new music for that point, we're still using some Frieza stuff at the same time. Here we are in Kai. It's its own self-contained entity. No back catalog of music to also rely on. So you're kind of stuck with whatever they've composed. Well, and even up until that point, we didn't get any new themes for anything really like opening ending themes eye catches right those were all the same up until the boo arc. right right we're mixing stuff up here i was trying to keep up with the eye catches for a while maybe i'll go back and admin as well but it seems like every five or six episodes we get some new eye catches which is cool i think the art is yeah. nice and that's a nice thing where you can mix it up but not be alienating at the same like it's the same jingle it'll just be some different images on there the the Saiyajin arc alone had four eye catches right right <laughs> I like it. 
I'm okay with that. I think that's a cool thing. While on the subject of music, let me ask you guys, I think it was episode 17, whether or not you consider it the Saiyajin arc. I'll, I'll consider it the cleanup of that. We have our one and only insert song so far, Over the Star, which was on the Yeah Break, Care Break CD single. When it came out, as far as we knew, it was just an extra image song on there, like on the Dragon Soul CD single. And then it pops up with the piano version, and then the vocal version plays in the episode. We had four uh, insert songs in DBZ. Now, Kai, we got going with one. Uh, Corey, did you even get to this point? Uh, you know, I have not. I It's funny. I actually uh, had gotten a copy of that CD. So, I mean, I know the song exists. Right. But I, I actually saw it on the notes, and I'm thinking, wait, wait, did they play that in the series? <laughs> did, I, did I just sort of... Like, fall asleep during that? I'm, I'm very similar to you. Let me tell you what happened. I saw everyone talking about it. It was another case where, like you, I've got two episodes sitting on the disc waiting for me to watch, and I'm reviewing the CD single for Yeah Break, and I'm going, crap, this was used in the show. I should talk about that in the review. Ah, oh, that means i got to watch the episode now. So I, <laughs> in order to do my review, I disgruntled, went and watched an episode of the series. To be fair, I thought it was used fan-fucking-tastically, I thought it worked extremely well. It fit everything. My only complaint is that they were setting up the scene so well, then they hit an eye catch with the funny jingle, and then they bring, bring it back, unfortunately, to the solemn tone the song comes in. It just shook you out of that yeah, scene, Yeah, absolutely. Which I know a lot of people complained about with uh, Funimation releases. Then we fought to get the eye catches back, so I, I kind of understand where they're coming from uh, a little bit. You you had that sometimes in the original show oh, anyway. Oh, absolutely. In the middle of like, an intense, dramatic scene, and then da 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 go on so right, right. It's like, wait, wait, someone was getting killed. Uh, can we get back to that? <laughs> Heath, how'd you feel about it? You Were you still doing the detailed analysis by this point? Uh, that was the very first one that we did not do, detailed <laughs> okay, analysis. Okay, but I'm, I'm sure you're so, familiar with it. How'd you feel about it? Yes, I thought it fit absolutely perfect. I mean, they did a great job with that. It, uh, it's the scene where they go to pick up everyone's bodies, put them in capsules, and Bulma's all teary-eyed, and it, if you look at even the lyrics, it's very fitting. So I don't know if that was planned at all or what, but it turned out really good. Definitely, and you know, it just showed up as being included on the upcoming uh, Dragon Ball Kai song collection. So I think they're going to be pimping that pretty good, that it was an insert song. I'm excited. Can we note sound effects? Sure, what do you have about sound effects? Well, when they first announced that they were doing Kai, they said that they would be using updated sound effects. Right, right. But in the credits, if anybody's looked at them, Arai Hidenori is credited with all of the sound effects. He did all the sound effects for everything else Dragon Ball related in the past. So basically, they just went and took all the old sound effects. I don't know if they had recorded them in stereo. I know the Dragon Box, the movies came out. Those sound effects were all in stereo. So I assume they were originally recorded in stereo. So they went back they're to whatever masters. Yeah. Right. So they're basically just reusing them. Not sure how updated they actually are. I was going to say, as far as I could tell, it didn't sound different, like their placement or their use or anything. And there are some points, uh, I know... DBW noted it because he did all of our audio stuff, okay. audio comparisons. That there are a couple instances, and it's more at the beginning of Kai when we see Gohan do funny, silly little things. And they've added in, um, I guess you'd call them old 
cartoon sound effects. The Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, basically. And I don't know why they inserted those, but I I don't like those at all. I can't say I noticed them, but I'm sure now that I'm aware they're there. I think I, I noticed back. them. Did you? Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, it's really driving the Saturday morning cartoon point home. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't know if that's why they include them, because they're like, oh, it's Sunday morning. Kids are watching. we got to throw these in. But as far as updated sound effects, I think that's pretty questionable. Because even in the credits, it says, uh, like, original sound effect design. <laughs> All right, and they then. credit him with it. So. so really, they're just taking the master files, and maybe they'll pan them left or right as something's happening. Right. <laughs> All right. But they're updated. Uh, just like everything else. <laughs> exactly. Let us talk about the cast. Uh, the majority of them are the same. We have Masako Nozawa's Goku and Gohan. Uh, we've got Ryusei Nakao showing up early as uh, Frieza here. We've got Ryo Horikawa as Vegeta. I mean, it's Toshio Furukawa here on Misuru. It's everyone we've come to know and love. Tanaka Mayumi. Absolutely. Rockin' it's strong. She's so used to being a main character now. She's come back. I know. But there's some new cast members. Some of them we've heard before in some capacity in Dragon Ball. Uh, and some of them, we don't really know what we're dealing with here. The first one that I think we learned about, at least one of the earliest ones, was Kami Sending. Kohei Miyauchi, we did a whole episode on the podcast here about Kami Sending's various voice actors. I think Daisuke Gori or Joji, I think it was Joji Yanami even had uh, one little line in a random Dragon Ball episode. It feels like everyone's done this character. But Kohei Miyauchi. Daisuke Gori doing it. No, no, that would be hilarious, though. <laughs> that would be. I meant Joji Yanami. <laughs> <laughs> but, His uh, big manly Kamei Senen voice. <laughs> totally different character. <laughs> but uh, Kohei Miyuchi, who was the original Seiyu, uh, passed away in 95, 96, was it? He just missed the end of the series, I think. And then the role was taken over by a few people. But now in Kai, it's being played by Hiroshi Masuoka, who did Kami Senin was... I can't remember what it was now. Was it movie 13? Yes. Okay. I remember that being one of the ones I liked. So not a fan of his GT voice. So to hear Masuoka come in, it throws me off when I hear him because I have no idea who's talking. But when I look and see who it is, I'm very excited. I think it works. Isn't that weird? Because I've noticed that. Like, if you're not looking at the screen, then all of a sudden somebody's talking... You're like, wait, who is that? <laughs> I do it all the time with these new guys. Yeah. I don't know what their voices are. Mary, let me ask you. Kami Senin, how do you feel about this voice? Uh, I don't. I don't really notice Kami Senin. I okay. Mean, I know his original Z voice, and mm-hmm. that's about it. It's such a wonderful, amazing original voice, which I think was sad when we I think went it's hard to talk. so many people. Absolutely. So it's just like, yeah, okay, fill his role, whatever. We get an old you guy don't hold do a candle no matter who you are. <laughs> Let me ask you about uh, another one that, um, not so much on this one for me. Mr. Popo, Tokushio, replaced uh, by ick. Yasuhiko mm. Kawaji. I hate it. Bad. <laughs> Is everyone in bad. agreement here? Oh, I, yeah. I don't like him. Not as a person, just as a <laughs> Right, I'm sure he's a wonderfully <laughs> nice him. Japanese man. Uh, I guess we're in total agreement here. Then let's uh, skip to another guy. Shozo Izuka, who played Nappa in uh, the original version, is now replaced, even though he's still around, by Inada Tetsu. Uh, Corey, let me ask you, Nappa's new voice doing anything for you? Uh, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just because I have an attachment to the old one, but I mean, I don't think he did a bad job in the role necessarily, it's just feel. kind of, 
it threw me. Yep. It was it was like you're talking about. If you're not looking at the screen, you can't really tell except for, you know, he's, you know, stereotypically pissed off. But, right. you know. He's not rolling his R's enough. <laughs> That's what's throwing me off. I'm expecting Yakuza Nappa, and instead I just get angry Nappa. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't notice anything You didn't different. notice anything with him? I was not attached to the old one at all because I don't remember him. Okay. I wouldn't say that I was attached, but he he just doesn't sound hickish enough. Yeah, yeah. To put it. Yeah, actually, that would be almost perfect. All right, let's move on to one of the biggest announcements, at least from my perspective. Hirotaka Suzuoki passed away. He was the voice of Tenshin Han. And the big announcement, his replacement, Hikaru Midorikawa, who played number 16 and Paikuhan in the series, one of the most notable male seiyu voice actors in the entire Japanese industry, especially in the 90s, maybe not so much, he's been doing some video games, taking over the role of Tenshin Han. Heath, we didn't have a whole lot of lines, but how do you feel about him? I actually, I like him. I think he's doing a good job. I was pretty impressed. I couldn't really find anything to complain about, so I think that's where most of it comes from. Corey, how about you? Uh, I love him as an actor because I have heard him in a lot of things before. I mean, obviously, you know, as 16 and so forth, like you were pointing out, but I think... Did he play Hiro Yui in he, he Gundam sure Wing? Did. He sure did. He did that. He did Tamahome and Fushigi. He did Mikagami and Rekka. He's huge. So, I mean, Rama. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've heard him in a lot of things, and I really, you know, like his... He's definitely very talented. As Tenshin Han, again, that was another character that was just so dead set in yep. hearing that voice. And I think even in the video games, you know, recently they've had someone else sub in which also threw me off when I was playing those. Yeah, so it, it was A.G. Was it Yamamoto? I can't remember what his full name was. But the funny thing is, again, it oh, seems actually, like... Oh, actually, I think I got that name wrong. But whoever it was is terrible. <laughs> well, again, again, it feels like we're echoing the English version because Tenshin Han had, like, that myriad of voice actors where there was even, like, a running gag of who was going to vote <laughs> voice in that <laughs> right, week. Right, right. You know? And it seems like, okay, we've almost copied that to the Japanese version where... We had the original Seiyuu pass away. Video games, people filled in or they used stock footage. Now they're using someone else completely for the redubbing of the series. So, Which is so strange because I will point out that whoever that voice actor was, I can't remember. Uh, Tenshin Han in, was it Tenka, is it Makafu? What's the name of the game? Tenka Ichi Daibo Ken? I have no idea. Revenge of King Piccolo, whatever <laughs> it's being called over here. The actor playing him was the one that did him in the video games rather than Hikaru Midorikawa. Oh, it seems like. It's uh, Takemoto Eiji. Thank you. I knew I had the Eiji in there, right? It seems like we had a new established voice for Tenshinhan, and yet they go back and use the other guy. Though it's. Such that joke of who's playing him this week. Mary, you're a big Midorikawa fan. You know, you and I almost grew up with the man's yeah. voice. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> then we saw him in person. It was like, oh. oh, I forgot about that. At a con. Yeah. Like I said, not a whole lot of lines. Well, that's my problem. That's the only thing I can complain about is that I can't form an opinion because he didn't do enough. And he's not going to until the I know arc. at all. So I'm afraid I'm not going to have a, an opinion. I almost feel like they're wasting Midorikawa. I, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed that he can go there. That deep, I didn't know he could yes. do that because I just pictured Tom Homey in my head. Normal voice, yeah. Well, isn't it going to be a little weird then uh, when Cell shows up and we have sixteen <laughs> and Tenjin Han like there at the same time? You assume we'll get that far. We probably will. Well, yeah. all right. Here's another weird one because he is absolutely around. Daisuke Gori played Umegame, the sea turtle. Uh, not being played by him anymore. Now it's Takahiro Fujimoto. What's going on? Well, it's weird because. Uh, Daisuke came back, and he did Gaiu Mao, and he also did 
Emadio. Right, he's there. But for some reason, they decided let's not have him do Umigami. I don't. Did they forget? Did he forget? I mean, he <laughs> yeah. can keep track of his voices. <laughs> well, and my only hunch is maybe some of the animal characters have been voiced by almost the same person. So I don't know if that's what they were going for. Mm, okay. But it could just be he wasn't around that day. I don't know. Yeah, I'm busy. You guys can take care of it. <laughs> I don't care about that one. I got enough of her characters. I can call Mr. Satan. I'm good. <laughs> All right, I don't think any of us have an opinion there. Uh, another one, a minor one, uh, someone we, I guess, prior may have assumed would have been cut entirely, but I think a lot of people made the good point that he's hanging out in too many shots for them to digitally edit out. It's Gregory. He was played by Tatsuta Naoki uh, originally, now Takahiro Fujimoto as well. So yeah, kind of an animal character. Honestly, didn't know, didn't care for me. Anyone else? Ditto. Same. Well... And I'll note, uh, Fujimoto also did the voice of Bubbles. Okay. So I think it really is uh, just an animal thing. Gotcha. He's handling... Oh, wow. He's the animal I guy. <laughs> I don't know how one should feel about that. I mean, is he happy about that? He's playing the DBC animals? He's the mascot guy? Well, it's great that he does Bubbles, because Bubbles doesn't even talk. He just <laughs> makes noises. <laughs> See, that's another one where they really could have someone do him, someone completely different every episode. No one would ever know. Yeah. That's it for voices that I found for what we're talking about. Oh, I've got a bunch. Do you, do you have a bunch more from just these 16, 17 episodes? Um, I have actually a returning cast. I think you covered most of the new cast for that arc. Right, right. But the biggest one that I want to know was Utsumi Kenji. Okay, what about him? Shenlong. He came back as Shenlong. He actually left the series. I don't know how many people are too familiar with it, but after the 100th episode of Dragon Ball Z, he pretty much left. Oh, okay. So he had nothing to do with Dragon Ball since, I think, 1990, 1991. Yeah, I'd say about 91-ish, yeah. I was shocked to see him credited, let alone hear him come back. Right. Because I was... He got up through... He did Raccoon, and then he came back and he did one more episode as Shenlong, and then he just left the series and replaced by Sato Masaharu. So huh. it was kind of neat to actually see him come back. I hope he sticks around for Who the rest of the series. Who himself, I think, played Kame Senin at some point, right? I believe so. Well, He's a filling guy. No, he didn't do Kame Senin because uh, the original voice actor was still around. Okay, maybe not at that point, but I know he was he around until like episode 200 and I know Masaharu Sato did come in at some point. All right. <laughs> Who else? Oh, Re- Sato? I thought you were talking about Kenji. No, 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 yeah. not Kenji. It's me. Though he may yeah, have. Sato, maybe he did one episode. Sato was his replacement for GT. Okay, that's the guy I can't stand. He also did him <laughs> in the jump special. Right, right. Yeah. All right, other returning cast. Shiba Shigeru. Ah, my boy. Oh, my man. Came back. So, well, what is he coming back to? Because he did... He did Raditz, and so far he's done all of the uh, Grandpa Gohan scenes. Did he originally? No. Because that was a much higher, squeakier voice at times. I think he's another one who had several voice actors. So I don't know if they're going to keep him on for Gohan. <laughs> she heard he was the new Grandpa Gohan. I'm down. <laughs> I am. So I think uh, that was about it. Everybody else pretty normal. Alright, here's a question. What's the Chi-Chi situation? Uh, Watanabe Naoko came back to do Chi-Chi. Uh, she was the replacement for Sho Mayumi uh, when she left the series. Back, oh, when did she leave? Episode, like, it was like 120, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And she pretty much just up and left. No reason was ever given. 
And so I think she's done a pretty good job, mostly because I think most people are familiar with her because she basically became the official replacement for show. Gotcha. Another interesting situation. Yeah, there are a couple of them. <laughs> but then, of course, we had uh, Yanami Joji come back. Another one of my boys. Man. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's anybody uh, really worth mentioning. I mean, Yamcha, Chasu. Yeah, well, oh, uh, Aono Takeshi came back as Kami. That was also pretty big. All right. Uh, he, he hadn't really done a whole lot until then. So. All right, so that's some pretty good voice stuff. Uh, a lot of changes. We're going to cover this more in the future. I don't want to get into it right now, but before we start recording, you told me Ginyu Tok Sentai, all of them replaced. Yes, all five of them. Along with Kui and Zarbon, Dodoria. That's next season. We'll have a <laughs> lot to talk about then. Well, and the weird part is, like I mentioned, Itsumi Kenji originally did Raccoon, so we know that he's in on the series. Was it just, right, right. well, I'll come back and do Shenlong, but you can't make me do anybody else, because Shenlong only speaks like once every, once every 50 25 episodes. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? Were we going to talk about the uh, how we felt about the people that were returning, in terms of how they did versus their original performance? Um, anyone in particular you want to know? Uh, you know, oh. I was just... Yeah, that would be a major one, obviously. Suru Hiromi. Yeah. A lot of people coming down on her. I'm kind of there, phoning in some of the performances. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other one I was thinking of, in all honesty, was uh, Ryo Horikawa. I mean, he's still an excellent actor, but you can tell there's definitely some uh, it's 20 some years. Aging. Hey, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm not debating you. I'm <laughs> offering an explanation. a little too much. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, mostly it's going to be limitations-based more than likely on age and, you know, Marvel menthols. But, I mean, it's just something, I don't know, it's just something I was thinking of when we started talking about uh, reviewing the first arc. Right. I know another thing that people brought up was, uh, I guess, uh, Kururin. His uh, seiyu sounds too much like the character on One Piece, I guess. I was just going to bring that up. Is, is that true, or is it just that she's better now? It's just weird, because you have some people that uh, have come back, and they're, they're only voicing one character, and some of the other ones have been taken away. And I don't know if uh, Tanaka Mayumi just has big balls or something and really wants to take everything on. But she's doing Luffy in One Piece, and she's doing Kulilin, Yajirobe, and Yurinai Baba. Yeah, yeah. And Kai. So, I mean, Which she, she did just, at some point. Papa's another one with multiple voice actors. Three or four, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, she's really been packing it in there. So I can somewhat understand why people may think she sounds like Luffy. But at the same time, I think it might be more of One Piece has been on since 1999. Yep. People don't realize that. So a lot of people have been watching it for 10 years. And right. Z hasn't been on since 95. Yeah, to them, so. that voice is Luffy now. Exactly. So I I don't know if it's just hard for some people to step back and go, oh, that's probably why. But but yet for people like me, I admit fully, I've never actually seen One Piece just because it, it's something that falls somewhere down my list of stuff to check out. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. I could definitely hear, I mean, this was expected to a degree. I mean, I could definitely hear different nuances in the voice, you know, a different, definitely. a little bit different, which I could understand people saying, okay, she's been doing this role for 10 years it sounds a lot like the nuances she uses in that role. And, I mean, I could also figure with uh, Yajirobe, I mean, ow. <laughs> yeah. That's... Just just painful. 
I think she forgot how to do him. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. I really do. I, mean, I don't remember his original or her original performance of him. I was like this. I thought he was fun. <laughs> I don't want to say I don't like it because I do like it. I get what the joke was, and I don't know if the right. joke is enough to sustain that voice, <laughs> but. Uh, not one of my favorites, but I, I think just, it works. At some points, I think where it's almost like it just hurts your ears, and you can tell yes. it hurts her. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the final voice, not even so much of analysis. Nozawa herself is Goku and Gohan. Any thoughts? Personally, mm. I think she's almost spot on. I I don't even. I mean, notice when you've been doing the character since 1985 nonstop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Man, that that. Uh, that is definitely a testament to how someone can definitely keep uh, their vocal abilities tight for so long. Because I mean, it's I mean, it definitely sounds the same as I was expecting. The only thing I could pick up, and it was very slight, was uh, straining a little bit, you know, on the big screaming scenes and so forth. But I mean, come on, there is a there is a point where you have to factor age into it, and I mean. Right. Performances, it was interesting, you know, performances like her uh, son Gohan and stuff almost seemed to be better than it was back in the olden her days. Gohan's it so seems, fucking cute. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, it's like the cute was amped up to the point where it wasn't like, you know, you need a shot of insulin. But I mean, <laughs> it was something that was, it was definitely on par with the character. She definitely has almost uh, tweaked and, uh, you know, sort of uh, polished the edges on it where it does sound believable. Well, and Mike, you talked with Jeff a couple episodes back after you watched the Bardock special. Yes, yes. And she came back and did Bardock in the beginning, and I know you guys talked about the differences yep. in her voice, her tone, and I think she did Bardock pretty well, you know, almost spot on in this as well. I, I thought it was. It's surprising. It, it's, uh, there are a couple little It was the pacing. More than her performance, it was the pacing of that yes. scene. And like we said, well, let's bring it over to that then. The Bardock special, that's how it starts it off with Kai. Definitely didn't happen that way in the original. They're cruising through it almost. They want to use it, but don't want to focus on it so they can get to the meat of Raditz. Is this the way to start Z? (sighs) Start Kai? Well, now it is Kai. Is that the way you want to start this part of the series now? Uh, It's better in all honesty, I guess. If they're trying to treat the show like it's an entirely new audience coming in, like it's not people like us who have seen everything... Mm -hmm. I guess it's good in a way because it gives almost a feeling of, I mean, you see Frieza in the actual intro and so forth. I mean, I guess it gives you a foreshadowing of what's going to come eventually. Yeah, there's this big universe you're going to hit. Yeah, and it's not as jarring, I guess, for someone who's just plunked down the middle of it to go, okay, now uh, we're going to go real quick. Uh, Here's this guy. He saved the world, and now he has a kid, and this is a big shock, and all this other stuff. It (laughs) kind of, I mean, whereas if you sat down and watched, like, you know, the original Saban version where it was like, okay, we're going to give you 13 episodes of Dragon Ball, and then we're hidden straight to the Saiyajin arc. It's like, okay. Who's Tenshinhan? Who's Chaozu? Who's Piccolo? Who's (laughs) everybody it's true because it is like that funimation dub where you jump right to this and people are making references to goku saving the world and all sorts of stuff at least here they're saying yep there's this existing lore in this world my biggest qualm really was the inclusion of the bardock uh footage i didn't think it really fit yeah i liked the build-up with the Dragon Ball highlights. I thought those were good. Yeah, that, kinda that gave was you neat. A little backstory. I kind of forgot about because, that. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I didn't like about it was for anyone, especially in Japan, because, you know, the show right now is 
for people in Japan. And as far as we know, most of the people that watch it are kids that are getting up on Sunday morning. And the one thing it takes away from anyone that's never seen the series is right away you were told at the beginning of the episode that Goku is an alien. Yeah. Whereas if you originally watch, it's all of a sudden you don't find out until Raditz, Raditz tells him. Ah, yep. uh, yeah, that's and true. It, it really takes that whole thing away. It's kind of a shot in the foot right off the bat. At least for me, it was. You know, I didn't even think of that until you brought it up. I think it's right. just something that I was so ready for that, you know, they said that, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we you know, know this. <laughs> well, then you compare, <laughs> just in a way you were talking about Saban, and that almost brings that up as well, is most people saw Z before they ever saw Dragon Ball. So when they went back and watched Dragon Ball, they're like, oh, Goku's a Saiyajin, blah, blah. Well, no one in Japan ever knew that right. to begin with. Well, Toriyama so, didn't know that. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's almost another flip again where now they've kind of pulled another Saban. And, yeah. Dragon Ball Kai is the Japanese Americanizationing reversioning of their own series. It's wow. kind of creepy. It is. <laughs> Can I mention something about the pacing? We kind of skipped over it a little bit, but uh, just as far as the pacing goes, how did you guys kind of feel about that? The point that you mentioned where two new people came in, big difference. Yeah. A lot I better. I disagree. You disagree? Yeah, I thought, it, I don't know. I didn't notice any difference. I thought it suffered every episode. That's a fair assessment. I have had plenty of instances, and you heard me, where I was having issues with the way they were transitioning stuff. I think overall, though, it got a little better as it went on. Those early episodes were just atrocious, I think. Yeah, I think it took them a little while to really get into it and kind of figure out what they wanted to do, which is kind of sad, because you would hope they had maybe planned that out. Right. Again, (laughs) proving that rush job on this. Then I did, uh, I crunched numbers real quick a week ago. (laughs) Real quick. um, The this arc covered 35 episodes of Z, yep. the original Saiyajin arc, which covered 47 chapters, chapters 195 to 241. So if you just break it down by numbers, Z had about approximately 1.3 chapters per episode, which is kind of fluffed out by a bunch of filler episodes. So the number is probably a little higher. Mm-hmm. But then Kai has three episode, three chapters per episode. Wow, moving along. So, I mean, they're really booking. Do we like that? Do we want that? <laughs> um, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let me ask everyone. Mary, what we've seen, are you digging it? Do you even care at all? Do you want to continue? No, on all accounts. Okay. Don't care anymore. Absolutely do not care. Totally burnt out on Kai. I really wanted to love this because it would give me a good excuse to rewatch the whole series That's pretty what you're quickly. About when it started. But yeah. This is essentially Dragon Ball for people with ADD, and I think its soul, no pun intended, is lost completely. <laughs> I, see you did there. <laughs> I feel nothing from this incarnation of yeah. the show. I think it's sloppy, and I think the only thing redeeming about it are some of the voice performances from the senior cast. So, what would be your preferred experience with the Dragon Ball franchise at this point? Uh, rather than three chapters per episode, maybe two chapters per episode would be better pacing for me. Not too fast and not too slow. This is way too fast. So if you're going to watch it, we should just watch the original and deal with it. And then the fast trilogy. forward through the filler episodes, maybe not necessarily filler scenes, mm-hmm. but because I think some of the filler scenes within episodes are kind of yeah. necessary for meditating on certain things. Right. And this just doesn't give you a chance to breathe to the point that I feel nothing. No interest in a domestic Yeah, if I feel nothing from it, I don't want to waste my time watching it. All right, then. Corey, let me go over to you. Same kind of questions. What do you got? Wow. I think it's funny, you know, when you listen to our original thoughts on this going into Mm -hmm. it, that was pretty much, I think, Mary's thought going into it. 
kind of one where she didn't think anything was really going to materialize out of it. I tried to have a more optimistic viewpoint, but I kind of am in the exact same boat as her. I mean, I've the fact that I watched the show like the first few episodes and then kind of just fell out of touch with it kind of goes to show you where my uh, where my heart lies with it. I was going to say, look at us. We're so big into this. We love talking about it. You get us doing a podcast every week, three out of the four of us with sites. We can't even be bothered to watch the damn thing. We import shit from the home country. <laughs> I mean, for the sake of being able to be the world's biggest dorks and go, hey, we've got the complete version. Hey, look at us. Right, you know? right. But, I mean, the fact that I kind of watched it and went, you know, I've seen this before, but I remember it being better the last time oh hey look it's over on my bookshelf yeah i kind of kind of threw me out of it and the fact also now that with the uh, home releases which are supposed to start here in the next couple of weeks the fact that they're kind of taking you know a back step it feels like and going okay this is going to be a 4-3 image you look at it and go okay well what's the point of, and then i mean you're going to have badly redrawn frames Unless they, for some reason, go back and redo those redraw or add detail. Yep. Yeah. So I was, was going to touch on that real quick. Uh, okay, go for it. Uh, just as far as a lot of people have wondered why, I know Mike even, why it was in widescreen uh, right, to begin right. with. Yeah, that's a good explanation. And, um, oh yeah, I did read the, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Japan is in the current process of switching over to digital television Mm -hmm. and a lot of the requirements now are that new shows be broadcast and produced in widescreen so i think a lot of it has to do with that but then it also is kind of odd that they didn't think ahead of this because if these protocol have been around for a while why did they do it in 4.3 to begin with why didn't they just go ahead and reanimate things in widescreen and just crop everything like they were going to do for tv anyway again it's kind of odd did they just rush in and no one really read up on this and all of a sudden oh crap we got a crop this. well that's a big thing i mean digital does not necessarily mean widescreen it does not necessarily right. mean hd and 16 by 9 doesn't have to be hd it, it's so confusing i don't think even they know what's going on so i that's my only hypothesis to why it was broadcast in widescreen okay. why i'm guessing maybe it's just because well hell we reanimated all this crap and Four three, well, we might as well release might as well it. give it to them, yeah. And then if we do one in four three and one in sixteen nine, well, everyone wins. Then people might actually buy both, right? Count on the otaku. Here's a question I have. I actually was reading up yesterday because um, one another show I watched, Bleach, had been receiving some HD feeds online, but someone actually pointed out that the show itself is broadcast, I guess, with only. 480 lines of resolution, even though it's uh, in uh, 16.9, and then I guess the television station, the digital stations will upscale it. Do we know that Kai is actually being broadcast in an HD native format at this point? I assume so. Because, I mean, I, I definitely assumed it, but then I read that and I was like, well, shit. We know it's going to come out in HD because they obviously have it, you know, slated for release, but. I'm not sure if either of you have uh, read up on this, but I mean, there there have been a number of commercial Blu-ray releases in Japan, which have actually just been upscales. 
Oh, you know, yeah, especially, yeah. Especially digital animes because a lot of one, a lot of them prior to, I guess, maybe 2004 or so, maybe even yeah, more if recent. if there's no film, were, there's nothing. Yeah, if they were done digitally at uh, 480, which I think like uh, one of them that people were talking about was Death Note, that one was done at 480. Oh, really? And a lot of, I think so. I think they were saying it actually was done at 480. Um, and I believe. I was so curious as to why we haven't gotten a Blu ray release of that. Well, that answers that then. And also, people were talking about. Uh, effect shots you know a lot of times are done i guess on video masters as opposed to actual you know they're done in a standard resolution which causes shows like you know cowboy bebop and stuff like that to kind of be even though those were i guess the actual animation itself was cell animation the effects themselves wouldn't make a transition to hd oh wow so they'd have to redo them or just upscale it or we have like firefly if you've ever seen that on blu-ray the actual film itself looks great but then the effect shots look kind of crappy because they were done standard resolution so i was just curious is do we know for certain that this blu-ray that's coming out is going to be a native hd presentation or is it going to is it a danger of being an upscale because that might be the uh, final kick for me to cancel any sort of pre-order i'm assuming it's full hd we'll find out in a couple yeah, well, weeks. we're gonna find out <laughs> <laughs> all right then heath it it's up to you man uh we we have no soul from two people so far how you feeling that's no good um well first i did want to touch on uh, one thing that i kind of forgot about and we didn't really include but that's how well Kai is actually doing in Japan. It's doing well. It's mm-hmm. it's doing really well. For the Saiyajin arc of all the anime that's shown every week, it never dropped lower than sixth place. Uh, the ratings have been great. It's beat One Piece a couple times. So as far as it's doing over there, doing well. people are watching yep. it. So the one thing that I do like is that it's making Dragon Ball more relevant to newer generations. Sure. I think that's the one thing that I really got out of it, and that I do have things to do every week, I guess. <laughs> do you um, like that you have things to do every week? Sometimes, no. All I right, don't. then. <laughs> I'm really torn because it's Dragon Ball, and you just you want to In like theory. it. It's not the easiest thing to like all the time. There are some things that are really good that I do like, and some things that are just really bad. I wish they never would have done that to begin with. So if we didn't do the episode pages every week, I'd probably honestly forget about it. Kind of like you guys have done Mm -hmm. falling in and out, you know, every month or so. My biggest gripe is probably that it just seems super, super lazy on Toei's part as far as animating things, what they did. While it's a, it's great from a business perspective, as far as putting little money in, but getting a big return, which we know is going to happen. Uh, as a fan, I really would have rather seen them reanimate the whole thing. Yeah. Just new animation, call it something else. I guess they still could have gone it with Kai. Kai yeah. Right. So I guess if it does well, that's it's great for Dragon Ball in general. I don't know. As far as a, a yay or a nay, kind of a, just a meh. I'm, and that's the most positive out of all super, of us. Yeah, I'm not super excited, but I, I don't rush home to watch the episodes. I don't. I haven't watched an episode live in God knows how long. Yep. So it's just, I don't know. If we get more movies and specials out of it, I guess <laughs> yeah, that's there you positive. Go. But other than that, I'm just kind of, it's there. I'll watch it every week so I can make a page about it. <laughs> 
Well, as for me, I think I fall more with Mary and Corey on this. We talked so much about the can't even be bothered to watch it. Uh, I'm a month behind. I don't really care so much that I'm a month behind. And uh, if we get some new stuff out of it, great. But your meh is the most positive, I think, uh, final opinion on it. So I am just going to end it there. We will return to Kai in the future, maybe as we finish the Frieza arc, so we can uh, wait a long time before we return to it. I just hope and I pray, if something new does come out of this, that it is not a movie with Super Saiyan 3 brawling. Because <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, I think I'm going to get a plane ticket to Japan, and you're never going to hear from me again. <laughs> I was going to say, just throw in the towel, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> it's been a fun 11, 12 Corey, years. we need you. You can't leave. <laughs> All right. Heath, thank you very much. Constantine. You are very welcome, sir. It's been a pleasure. Corey, hanging out with us on our forum. You know, the only gripe I have about this is that you had said we were going to do this at your house. And I've noticed that your house looks a lot like my one bedroom apartment. <laughs> don't worry, don't <laughs> which worry. I distinctly, which I distinctly <laughs> remember it looking different a few months ago. I noticed you've done some renovations. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Don't worry. All right, all right. And Mary as well. Probably the most down on Kai, but justifiably so. I'm with you. And I didn't want to be. It just yep. kind of ended up this way. But I bet that if we eventually review the Frieza arc and we're so far behind that we'll have to marathon it. That'll be a totally different way for us to view it. Maybe we'll Absolutely. have a different opinion for that arc. Lots of new voices. Frieza returning. I'm not though. even thinking about voices. I'm Can just thinking about imagine? pure pacing and watching an entire arc in a short amount of time. Maybe it'll feel more natural. All right. Well, Temple of Trunks. That's right. Well, you'll, we'll get back yeah, to that's, you. Yeah, uh, that's the end. All right. Thank you, everyone. Rest of the show now. First thing uh, for the rest of the month, September 9th, it's a Tuesday. Well, on September 9th, Tuesday, we have the French Kanzenban, Dragon Ball Volume 4. It's being put out by Glena, and it's available for 10 euros 55, or 10 euros 2 for pre-order at Amazon France. Very nice. All right, taking it over to September 15th, a Tuesday over here in the U.S., Dragon Ball Season 1 remastered season set from Funimation. Finally, an uncut home release of the first 13 episodes over here in North America. Very, very interesting and exciting to get them. It's actually going to include episodes 1 through 31 on this 5-disc set. The dub has a 5.1 track, and of course the Japanese original mono track will be there. It is a 4x3 correct aspect ratio, and it is remastered more a la the recent GT sets, but even less DVNR, so that's uh, exciting as well, rather than the cropped Z orange bricks. The MSRP is $49.98, but you can still do the pre-order on Amazon for $36.99. Yes, get it now before they put out the Dragon Boxes for Dragon Ball. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. We don't know what they're going to do. You never know with Funimation. No one can that's ever true. make an accurate call. So if you really, really want to watch these episodes, go ahead and get it. Uh, it looks fine. It's only problem, and we'll talk about this. I think we'll uh, bring uh, Mark on to talk about it at some point. There are no alternate angles. The only title cards are the English title cards. That's pretty disappointing. Pointing um, to me. Yeah. Now, are the subtitles done by uh, Steve or by Mato? I actually don't know. I think the original... I can't remember if Steve happened to do the first 13 or 26 
and then Clyde took over. I don't remember what the situation was there on those. By the way, my iPhone's done charging. Oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm happy for it. All right, moving on. Same day from Funimation. The uh, Bardock and Trunks individual disc releases. If you haven't been following along with this, it's an interesting situation. They're kind of uh, broken out individual discs from that double feature, which came out, I think, in February 08. And it is confirmed to be from there uh, with the cropped widescreen. The weird thing here is you can still go get the DVD version of that double feature for $15.99 over on Amazon. These individual ones are $9.98 a pop. So if you haven't gotten them and you want this version of them, you're still better off just getting the double feature version. Uh, last I looked, Amazon had a pre-order for $8.49 on Bardock, but not for Trunks. Again, if you really want these, uh, you're better off either tracking down, I think, the original singles. I would prefer, though, those are hard to get now. Or wait to see if we'll get any kind of Dragon Box releases from Funimation. These single discs, probably uh, not the most cost-effective or quality-effective for you. Let's take it back over to Japan, though. Julian, on September 18th, a Friday. All right. On September 18th, we've got Dragon Ball Kai Blu-ray, the single-disc version of Volume 1. It contains Episodes 1 to 3 of Dragon Ball Kai in a 4 by 3 aspect ratio and in high definition. It's going for 3,045 yen for the standard retail price, but you can get it for 2,900 yen at pre-order on CD Japan. And... 2,232 yen pre-order at Amazon Japan. But also on the same day, we have Dragon Ball Kai DVD Volume 1, which also has episodes 1 to 3 in a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, which is cropped, and standard definition since it is a DVD. Now, this is only 1,995 yen, and you can also get it for 1990 at CD Japan or 1561 at Amazon Japan pre-order. So, interesting duality there. Yeah, this is going to be fun to kind of describe uh, accurately and efficiently as we move on through the releases. October is going to be a bitch to talk about with the Blu-ray set and then DVD or individual releases only. I don't know how to describe it. We'll figure it out as we go along. That seems to be it for September, though. October's uh, a busy month and November's a really busy month, but we'll get there. So with uh, releases done, let's do some emails. <laughs> Julian, I'm going to read the first one here from Andrew, and then you're going to give me a little bit of info we've dug into. So Andrew says, Is there any info on the origin of Piccolo Daimo? We know he's split from Kami, but when? With you guys talking about Bardock and his TV special, I think one of Piccolo and what caused the split from Kami, and also the battle with Piccolo Daimo and Mutaito would make a very good movie or TV special. Good stuff there. We dug into uh, the timeline from Daizenshu 7, I believe it was. There is some info on at least years and a little bit of dates for events here, so what we got? Yes, so, first of all, Katatsu sends his son to Earth in age 261, and this child becomes an apprentice of the current kami at in age 431. So already we have a gap of a good 160 odd years right. there. And then the garlic senior battle goes down in age 461 and yes we know this is anime only. Uh, but anyway that same year the whole deal with the piccolo split happens and Mutaito seals him away and dies. Now for reference's sake Bulma meets Goku in age 749, uh, almost 300 years later. So clearly we have some very long-lived characters in the series. Absolutely. I think Andrew makes a great point. With all of these events, you know, specifically the Garlic Senior battle, and then the the split with Piccolo and Mutaito uh, taking him on, with all that happening around the same time, you could do a really compact and well-done TV special and movie, I think, uh, showcasing those events. I know we got a little bit of uh, showcase 
in the TV version of the original Dragon Ball. I think that was right after Kudadin is uh, discovered dead. Shortly around there, Kamisenin tells the story. But there's a lot you could do there. You, you want a movie here? Well, actually, I wouldn't mind seeing one like that. It'd be ground that hasn't been covered in much depth before other than a really short flashback. So, right. sure, why not? All right, good stuff. All right, why don't you take the next email here from Elliot? Oh, right. Elliot writes us and says, Hey, Mary Vegito EX Julian, if he's there. Yes, I am. And anyone else that may or may not be there, I recently watched the Jump 40th special, Yo, Son Goku and Friends Return, and I noticed something rather interesting. I'm not sure if you've noticed it or not, since the special has been out for quite a while now, but I feel just like I have to tell someone who will know what I'm talking about. At the point of the beginning, around 3 minutes and 35 seconds, in case anyone was wondering, where Gohan is working on the computer, I noticed that two of the desktop icons are somewhat peculiar, specifically the two lowermost ones. The first one is the head of Nekomajin Z, and the one below it is the head of the self-portrait of Akira Toriyama, complete with straw hat and gas mask. Again, not sure if you've already noticed this or not, but I thought you guys and any listeners who haven't noticed this yet would like to know. Keep up the awesome-tastic work. Very good stuff. I think a couple people, when it first came out, did note this. We had some screencasts. But it's a good thing to bring up time and time again. There are some nice little Easter eggs uh, in the special like that. Nekomajin Z, we've got Z there. I like that uh, they're noting he exists. Right. And also, it's not the first time this has happened. Toriyama himself has appeared a couple of times in the series. There's an ad for Dragon Ball when Goku visits Bulma in the city. Uh, And one thing I noticed in the third, I think it's the third movie, maybe the second, on Gohan's bedroom wall, there's a poster for Dr. Slump. Ah, very nice. So they're fond of those little in-jokes. All right, thanks for pointing that out, Elliot, for those who haven't noticed it since. All right, we got one more email. This is an interesting one. This one comes to us from Will. Will says, hello, Mike, Mary, Julian, whoever else may be there. All right, well, right now it is Julian and myself. I'm Venom Symbiote, and I have a question from my father, actually. All right, where are we going with this? Several days ago, my father somewhat confronted me on the fact that I'm an avid listener and fan of the podcast. He once listened to an episode and told me that, quote, anyone who likes Japanese cartoons is weird, which, oddly enough, includes myself. Anyway, as we talked about my extended fandom, he posed the question, what do they get out of doing a weekly podcast? With they being Mary, Julian, and Vegito EX. That's me, Mike. I remembered a previous response that you guys gave to a similar question, with the answer being that we do it to spread the Dragon Ball love and to have fun. My father accepted the answer. However, he replied with one question that was aimed to you guys. My father asks, what are your two top reasons for doing the podcast? He made it clear to me that he wanted two responses from all three of you, which would make for a total of six, I suppose. He looks forward to having his email read on the podcast, if you please. And he means no harm. He likes seeing me enjoy listening to you guys, and he simply wonders what makes you guys want to do this. This is a very interesting one. We've had some parents on the show. Julian, your parents have listened and sent emails to the show before. I think with an extended yes, period have. of time where you weren't uh, emailing or calling them back, they went through me on the show to get to you. I think it's interesting well, uh, yes. that Will's uh, dad wants to know what's going on. Now, Will, know. I'm pretty sure Will is one of our younger fans. Uh, he joined up on our forum relatively recently, at least in the grand scheme of things, considering I've been doing the site for, what, 11, 12 years now. So, uh, we got Will's dad, Julian. Yes. Haven't heard from you in a while. So, now that you're here yeah. on the show with me, you know, I started this up, oh, God, about four years ago, the podcast itself. I didn't really know why I was starting it up. Uh, it seemed like a new hip thing that was going on, and you know, at the website, I'm always looking to do something new that someone hasn't done before. Uh, you know, us and Constantine, we all like to do things bigger and better than anyone else has done. So maybe that's one 
little reason. But I'm going to start with you. I asked you to do this show with me and, you know, the site as well. What do you get out of doing this podcast? Well, for one thing, it's a form of socialization. You know, <laughs> I get to talk to you guys on a regular schedule, and that's pretty fun in itself. But also these topics just, I don't know, in some ways they're sort of thought exercises, coming up with creative ways to look at the Dragon Ball franchise and its fandom. And, you know, although I haven't really had a chance to read the manga through in a while, and I lately have only been able to check out Kai once every so often, I'm still a fan of the series, and I enjoy talking about it. All right. I'm not one of those sort of power-level wonks that goes through episode by episode and tries to figure out exactly how powerful everyone is at every moment. But <laughs> We talked about that recently uh, on the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, you know, I appreciate a good conversation. I think you had a really good point in there, and that's, you know, I haven't read the manga in a while. I'm not actively keeping, you know, I don't watch the show on a regular basis. It's been so long. Doing the website and the podcast is a great way for me to stay involved and still feel like I'm involved with the community and the show itself. You no, know, it's a thing from my youth. Yeah, it's a show for Japanese kids. But you always like to latch on to whether it's a hobby or just something you remember as being fun. It gives me a chance to continue doing that. So I think that's one thing. And then, you know, I'm all about transparency on this show. People know what it is we do, why we do it. I think it's important. I think that's why people um, latch on and can become fans, because we're open with them. We tell them why we're doing stuff. For me, it's it's another way to keep Daizenshu EX as, you know, a forerunner in the fandom, where the site with the podcast... No one else does. There's no other Dragon Ball website with the podcast. I mean, there have been a couple little things here and there. I think some have tried to do it. I've seen some of the feeds and they die out after an episode or two but look at us we're going on four years and i think that says a lot about our dedication to sure the fans but also the fandom that we've helped we didn't help create it but we've maybe we've helped foster it in some people i've gotten a lot of great emails from people saying oh i fell out of touch with the series I haven't really visited any sites in a while came back to your site and i found not only is the site still going but you're doing the podcast wow this really in- reinvigorated my interest in the series and i love those kind of responses that were able to help people rediscover something they loved. And I've told this story on the show before, but it was a couple Oticons ago when we did uh, at least the current revision at the time of the DBZ you've never seen, where we showed audience all sorts of uh, rare commercials and videos and that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll never forget this. After the panel, there was a, a mother and her child came up and said that was the most fun they've had at the convention so far. And that meant a lot to me that we could just be talking about uh, the show and the franchise and showing things to people and to see the smiles on their faces. This was a parent and their child, both enjoying it at the same time to the same degree. That meant a lot that I helped. Uh, you know, Mary was there with me. We were showing this to so many people. Get those smiles. Get those responses from people. That that made me feel good about myself. So I, I guess in some capacity, we we do this as self-gratification. Sure, and we'll be totally honest and egotistical about it. We do it because we think we're pretty decent at it, and we have fun doing it at the same time. But it's always nice to get other people involved in enjoying it. Sure. And that's why we like to hi- highlight things like really good fan works, like Toybull's Dragon Ball AF. Right, right. And DBZ Abridged. You know, r- things that are really enjoyable and really funny. Absolutely. You know, there's a whole other conversation you can have about, oh, wow, you know, you're 
pushing 30 and you're still watching Japanese cartoons, that's kind of weird. I'll be honest and upfront with you, man. Uh, there's, there's a generational gap with stuff. I mean, we are people who grew up with computers, grew up with video games, grew up with this kind of stuff. It's a part of our lives that it isn't for some of the older generations. And I know Will's younger, so actually his dad may even be closer in age to us than, than Will is. Yes. But uh, It's also a, a generation where we're not expected to give up the things that we were interested in in childhood when we become adults. We're capable of going about our lives, having careers, maybe even getting married and settling down and still enjoying things like video games and cartoons, if that pleases us. Yeah, fancy that. It sounds like you're describing a couple people in particular. That, that's yes. interesting. You know, older generations who were expected to put aside those things when they became adults may feel threatened by this and feel as though that it's somehow inappropriate, but, you know, our generation doesn't see anything wrong with that. That's right. That's it. You got anything else you want to add? Uh, I don't know if we answered Will's dad's question <laughs> particularly well, but we tried to. Yeah. Well, I, I think covered why we do the podcast. All right, then. So, Julian, if anyone or the parents have any questions for us, where do they want to send that stuff? They can send us questions for the show to podcast at com. <laughs> And you can find us on Twitter at DaisyX, DCWX, Saya Jedi, and Mary TOT. There you go. See, now that you get the iPhone, load up some Twitter phone. It'll be an entirely new experience for you. I, I did. All right, excellent. Already. <laughs> I'm looking forward. And give yourself an icon, too. I'm sick of looking at the little uh, googly eyes. Okay, fine. All right. So, Julian, we have come to the end of episode 189. We're closing in on 200 and four-year anniversary, and you not coming back to the U.S., so it kind of destroys some plans I might have had for later in the year, but we'll see. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, you just have to move them to the summer if that's... No, we, yeah, we can do some stuff in the summer. All right, so next week on the show, Julian, you probably won't be able to join us because i am got a guest coming over here to the house, so uh, we'll be doing some offline recording, but maybe we'll do a, a split recording. I haven't really figured out how we're going to handle it. Next week, we are going to talk about ethics in fandom. This is something I've been planning for quite a while. Scott Melzer is actually going to join us, and uh, there's a couple of reasons why he's going to be joining us. Not specifically because of any particular fandom for Dragon Ball, but because he's got some uh, life experiences and uh, job experiences that none of us have. And I think it's going to be interesting to bring that to the table. So very much look forward to that. That does mean that uh, Manga Review is not next week, and it wasn't this week. I think we're just going to end up pushing that off to October, because uh, we've got a guest lined up, and there's some other uh, topical, timely things I want to make sure I hit as they are being released. So if you're a big Manga Review fan, I apologize for that. But hopefully we have some other great content coming your way. There's also that, uh, you know, Jump Anime Tour DVD special Special. Oh, yeah, that. It's on its way. Okay, all right, excellent. So, uh, Julian, thank you so much for uh, hanging out and doing the rest of the episode with me. Yeah, no problem. It's nice to get back in, into the swing of things. So, uh, well, Word. maybe I'll get to do this again in two weeks. We'll see what happens. <laughs> all right, in the meantime, people want to visit us online. Where are they going? They can find us at www.dizex.com. That's D-A-I-Z-E-X. Alright guys, for Mary off in the distance, for Julian also off in the distance, the much further distance of Japan, my name is Mike and we'll see you next week for 190. Julian, wrap it up, man.
So with regards to Kai, I've been wondering lately, do you feel like some of these latest voice changes just sort of reek of stunt casting? Oh, absolutely, man. Like giving the role of Dende to Aya Hirano? Seriously? Yep. Yeah, I know. Really? Is that absolutely necessary? Oh, dear. Oh. I don't know. Maybe they're feeling like they need a little extra something in the ratings, but they haven't been doing that badly. No, they've been they? doing perfectly I fine. Mean, it is There's Dragon Ball. No need for a stunt like that. It's ridiculous. Oh, well. All right. I mean, she does seem to be a fan of the franchise, at least, but Which I is thought fine, we were just but... going with the original cast, you know? Yeah, well, I or mean, that's the... one that's passed away, but still. Yeah, I mean... We don't need a flavor-of-the-moment no. voice actress like that. Right. Well, she seems to be working hard to turn herself into something else, but we all know how Masako Nozawa feels about that. <laughs> I want her to speak out more. I want her to just be a bitch <laughs> old woman again. Like, little missing, get off my show. I'll do the character. These model-slash-singer-slash-voice actresses who don't actually act-act. That's right. 